Hi folks, welcome to Follow the Leader, a podcast focused on telling character-driven stories through the use of GM-less tabletop games where we can all take the lead. You can find us on Twitter at FTLcast and at FTLcast.com. We also have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FTLcast. Today we're playing Too Many Stars by Battlestar Volk or Emily. Um, you can find their Twitter at that handle as well as their itch. For those of you who are new to the game, here are the basics. You were in the sky when it started, in ships among the stars. The threat came suddenly and the response was clear. Leave now. You left without saying goodbye, without looking back. Now you and your fellow pilots returned to circle the planet you once called home and something went wrong. And now you're stranded. The threat remains and the few groups of survivors who remain are either suspicious of your arrival or angry at your departure. So that just leaves you, your crew and the ruined wasteland of somewhere that used to be home. This is a game using the No Dice, No Masters system of belonging outside belonging. It's built for three to five players and can be completed in a few hours. It's loosely based from the Caprica episodes of the reboot of Battlestar Galactica with influences of Community Recovery from The Walking Dead TV adaption and Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mantle. You are a group of space fighter pilots stranded on the destroyed remains of your homeworld, still inhabited by the threat that decimated it. I'm Jade, and you can find me at JadeOxRose on Twitter, and my pronouns are they, them. Playing with me today, we have... Hi, I'm Danielle. I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at RedtailTalk90. Hi, I'm Sam. You can find me on Twitter at SAKalo, and you can find my portfolio at www.samkalo.art. If you don't type the World Wide Web bit, it just tells you you think it can't find the website because it's weird and broken and I don't know how to fix that. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. And I'm August. You can find me on the internet at Harpydora on Twitter and itch.io. And my pronouns are they, them. And you can follow our podcast guild, Stones underscore Standing, on Twitter, though we are Standing Stones, and there you can find out about the myriad of other podcasts we do. They are numerous, as well as find out about our affiliates. Our lines, which are things we absolutely do not want to see, are... <gasps> no, it's not that bad. <laughs> Homophobia and transphobia, racism, sexism, anti-Semitism, all the isms, violence against children and animals, sexual assault, domestic violence or intimate partner violence, unwanted pregnancy, self-harm and plagues and pandemics. Our veils, which are things we're fine with addressing but we'll just fade to black on, are steamy situations, graphic descriptions of bodily harm and terminal illness. Now that we've got all that, let's get started. Woo! I don't remember what our theme song sounds like anymore. Oh, it's going to be the sci-fi one. Fuck yeah.
So to begin with, uh, you read the game through completely. Some early choices may invalidate latter parts of the game. You may want to adjust accordingly, X, Y, Z. We've done some of our prep ahead of time, mostly character things. What we do need to do here on mic is talk about the threat and establish where we are. So the book gives us a few options to talk through. So our threat could be something from the skies, vengeful androids, far distant aliens, a sudden space anomaly, or perhaps it's spread from the ground, uh, a sudden plant mutation or an invasion, or is it undefined to be discovered throughout the story? We talked a little bit beforehand, and what we currently have written down is Eldritch Kaiju. Very sexy, very cool. Uh, because I was on my bullshit, I sort of started paraphrasing the Pacific Rim opening intro from one Raleigh Beckett and Charlie Hunnam doing whatever that accent was. And, um, but yeah, what, it, what, and everyone sort of hit, liked what I hit on. So the idea that we had was that a portal got torn open from another dimension right through the center of the moon. Um, and the moon kind of... Oh, you mean like what's happening to our moon right now where there's a weird crack in it? I didn't know that when I suggested the thing. Uh, <laughs> this was a few days ago. But yes. Uh, so it's like there's a basically like a portal in the remnants of the moon and like there's shattered pieces of the moon around this swirling portal in the sky. Mm-hmm. And weird sort of eldritchy kaiju come out of it. Hell yes. Yep. Think like a... Samuel from Hellboy, but bigger. Mm. So, you know. Eldritchy, like, dragony-sized beasties and fun Godzilla with more tentacles, I guess. <laughs> Stop it, kaiju fans. I'm looking at you. Stop having a good time. These are baddies. <laughs> <laughs> These are the bad guys. <laughs> I see you. I see you. Okay. Is everybody happy with these? How long ago did that happen? Because we have like a range, a range of ages in these characters. Is this just like an aspect of the solar system? Or did this happen? Is this enough in the future that isn't necessarily... Or maybe other portals opened and the threat to Earth was because a new one opened via the moon? Mm. So we have established that it is like Earth and not like whatever planet we come from that isn't Earth. It's like we're all earthling humans. So this is this is a a a, a civilization where our the sort of human space empire is centered on Earth still. That was just a vibe I could get there reading the playbooks through. Doesn't have to be. That's fair. Yeah. No, I was just I was clarifying. Like I'm I'm not like calling you out or anything. No, that no, was no, just no, me no. being like, okay, so so I guess that that means extrapolating from what we've decided that this is also true. Sure. I mean August came up with the that we were off planet whenever this catastrophe happened and we were called back as reinforcements but were too late mm-hmm. and then our fleet got taken down and we were the only survivors of our ship and people hate us because we were too late. What if further into the solar system this happened first and that's why we were part of the deployed and maybe mm. it's been going on long enough and portals have been opening increasingly closer mm-hmm. to mm. Earth. Like it. And the big threat that happened was the one that ruptured the moon. And that's yeah. the big catastrophe that we that, that was like, everyone needs to get back now. Yeah. Mm, I yeah. like it. I like that. All righty. Um, as a group, we need to pick two to three dangers uh, as we are back on the ravaged Earth 
we can decide maybe where in the world. There is the option to create a map. We don't have a roll 20 for this, but eh, we'll figure something out. But yeah, so... A belonging mm-hmm. outside belonging game. So yeah, we got to do some map building. Um, the one thing that we've got highlighted at the moment as one of our dangers is it comes at night. I think it was you, Danielle, that said about mm-hmm. like the moon. Effectively, the earth turns, the moon effectively would have risen and the creatures can move. Yeah. Whatever they are. Nice. Uh, other options we can choose from, if anybody likes any of these, are scorched earth, poisoned water, toxic soil, radioactive air, unrelenting sun, acid rain, guard patrols, surveillance, unpredictable weather, supernatural elements, beware of the wildlife, and suspicious bite marks. We need Ooh. at least one, maybe two more. We also have visuals to pick, so everyone's going to get a chance to sing out on something they like. Since these are kaiju, I don't think that suspicious bite marks are necessarily something that are on the table, but That's um, like unpredictable weather could be fun, or mm-hmm. beware like of the wildlife because of like um because of like I remember in that like relatively recent Godzilla movie, like there were like fleas or or giant ticks or whatever that were on one of the kaiju that could split off, I think. Mm, I like that. I was about to make a joke about, you know, suspicious bite marks doesn't have to be on alive people. It could be, hmm, this person <laughs> was bitten in half. That's odd. <laughs> um, I also like unpredictable weather if, like, the moon is fucked and it just, like, dicking around with the tides and yeah. gravitational, so mm-hmm. it's, like, messing with the weather, like, hardcore. Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. But I also like beware of the wildlife especially like things you see a lot like when the sun doesn't go down it's just like nocturnal animals obviously have a hard time of it so just like the impact of being around like this eldritch energy and also the day night cycle being stranger or mm-hmm. yeah just like it's maybe messed with earth wildlife and also new wildlife has come as a result yeah i like that a lot all right but you can choose three to five visuals. So this is sort of we can like where have we crash landed back on Earth? So this is a thing to think about. But the visuals it offers up: tall buildings, empty roads, abandoned cars, frozen in time, shattered windows, cloudless skies, long grasses, thin streams, dense forests, lone cottages, empty suburbs, fenced areas, rolling farmland, safe houses, and campfire remnants. Also, I suppose what kind of setting do we want to be in? It's a good question. I mean. Part of me wants to say, like, like sort of, ju- like, thick jungle. Mm-hmm. Maybe the jungle itself is trying to kill us. I'd be down with, like, jungle or somewhere that... Oh, here's the thing. What if it's, like, we assume we're on one in one of the jungles, but it's actually where wildlife has... Uh, where plant life has sort of taken over a part that maybe wasn't, so we could find elements go, I thought we were, like, in the Amazon. Just like, nope. That's a like a drain cover, mm. like the one. Mm. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So, so dense forests mm-hmm. for one. Oh wait, I need to change my stance. I think because I just realized like what it actually means, not what I thought it meant. Fair. Mm. Um, I like fenced areas as a thing that we discover because mm-hmm. that could be like one of our first clues that maybe we aren't where we think we are. I like that. We can always recreate that one scene from Jurassic Park if we want. (laughs) 
I think I've referenced that in another recording recently. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have five points of reference and I will use them all. <laughs> um, You're so valid. Long grasses, I guess, could be a part of it. I also like, personally, I like campfire remnants. But like, if we want to double down on this being a different place than we think it is, we could have any of the more urban-y visuals. Mm -hmm. We just haven't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can have a scene of us coming across We haven't them. found them yet. Yeah. I mean, it's belonging outside belonging. That could maybe be one of the early scenes we have is like coming across something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. So what's the first thing we find? Is it a building or is it like an abandoned car? I think it would be fun to like find an abandoned car because that's not necessarily like that doesn't necessarily give it away right mm -hmm. off the bat. Oh, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it's not like we're finding infrastructure. Is that what you're sort of saying? Yeah, we don't find infrastructure yeah. at first. It's just like there's a car. So it's like, OK, we thought this was uninhabited, but it isn't. Do we want to pick another visual, or are we happy with those three? We can always add to it, I guess. I do think I want to include tall buildings. Cool. At some point. Yeah, maybe not at the beginning, um, or we may not see them on screen even, but... They're there. I like the, the visual of coming out of the trees and seeing these overgrown buildings. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of thin streams also, where it's just like... The water here is not like we don't we're not like living by a big pond or like a like by a lake or something like all of the water sources we have are like, you know, mm. either like rainfall driven streams or, you know, stuff like that. I like that. Mm -hmm. All righty. Um, the last thing we have to decide is how long has it been since we were stranded here? Uh, the options it gives are 10 minutes, a day, a week, a month, longer, question mark. I want it to be longer than a day, for sure. Okay. Maybe like a week or a month. Like somewhere in between those? Yeah, yeah. I I like the idea of maybe a couple of days. Yeah, I think maybe like a week. Yeah. Okay. How about like a work week? Yeah. So not like a full like seven days. days. But yeah. Yeah, because if we don't know where we are yet then we can't have come very far it yeah. could be uh it could be four days because i'm just thinking like the ideal work week <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah all right uh it does suggest that we build a map uh to indicate where our pilots were first stranded your map may be more fleshed out the longer the pilots have been stranded and you may want to create past incidences and confrontations to add a note on the map we could just come up with like a list of locations and stuff like that i appreciate that drawing directly into a gdoc is hard oh but i was yeah. gonna say like we could draw directly into the gdoc right you can but the drawing tools within are bad i will take this up <laughs> i will draw us a map cool excellent okay uh, okay so we've got sort of an idea of our biome it's like humid humidity is it cold humid or hot humid cold humid sounds like a fucking nightmare um cold <laughs> humidity is a nightmare yeah mm. and i mean like that could be part of like the unpredictable weather too is like True. we're we think we're somewhere that should be warmer than it actually is yeah, it just Ooh. the plant life hasn't died off yet. Dig it. Now, um, everyone has picked their playbook, uh, and we have to pick a stance. 
It does. I do like this. Each player should have a unique playbook unless you need to discard playbooks for any reason. Pay attention to which aspects you wish to share up front and which you'd like others to discover in play. When it comes to choosing bonds, you should ideally choose two and feel free to write new ones. Oh, my bad. If you want to proceed with a different tone to the one this game provides. Uh, choose a stance. This is a conviction your character will hold at the end, at the start of play and may change to a different one throughout. It doesn't have to be explicitly shared with the others if you choose not to. If you'd like to add another option, ensure the group agrees to this collectively and that it's available to every player to choose. There's also a token mechanic in this game, so everybody remember to keep track of your tokens as and when you start earning them and spending them. So, corollary question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we have our mechs with us? I would like to say yes. Yeah. Okay. Are they in working order though? Well, there's the that can maybe be discovered. Like, I like the thought that the mechs were like launched as part of thing, mm-hmm. or as part of the attack on the fleet that took out the rest of the fleet. Mm-hmm. Like, if these are mechs that can work in space, they can probably handle coming down through Atmo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I have drawn us. A mech. Excellent. Beautiful. It's laying on the ground because it's broken. Ready. Mm. Well, that I like that because, like we've said, we've been here like maybe four or five days. Like we've spent time setting up where we are, establishing what's broken, what's not, mm-hmm. and all yeah. that. All right. Let's uh, introduce some characters. Yeah. Are, are, are we gonna? Mm-hmm. Do we want to do the map or? Well, it just says you add your visuals, don't you? So Okay, so I guess I'll I'll add some A lot of this stuff we've talked about how we haven't discovered it yet, so Yeah. Yeah. So these just can be question marks everywhere. So did we like create a hole in the canopy when we crash landed? Do we think? Yeah. Yes. For sure. Definitely. So yeah, this is all forest. I'm just not drawing it cuz that would take forever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've drawn our crash site sort of in the middle of our map. We'll be sharing this map on Patreon. We can maybe put, actually um, we might we could release it with the tweet, uh, with the episode, yeah. and drop it yeah. as like okay. a follow up tweet. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. So characters. Right. Uh. Yeah. So I am playing the fighter playbook. You joined after day zero, but you're no rookie. There's a fire behind everything you do. You live for the grind. You'll practice again and again and again to make up for lost time. In the cockpit, in the ring, on the ground, you will fight for your place and for what you believe in. Maybe you don't have a death wish, but to the team, it sure feels like it. The fighter is a fierce pilot, and they are dedicated, silent, and stubborn. So I am playing Flaky uh, Gaithen, goes by Kiki. She uses she, her pronouns, and her stance is we need to survive and the survivors aren't interested in us. We should work together to build something new. Her call sign is Mamba. Her look is ripped, uh, well-maintained, but not enough material to properly repair anymore. She is a large buff woman with kind of Pacific Islander features. And in terms of light brown skin and dark straight hair, uh, she wears her hair long and up in a ponytail. A conversational topic you'll soften for is memories of family. Um, combat style is powerful and skilled. 
In a fight, what can your opponents exploit? More, I have more power than aggression. Hell yeah. Alrighty. Do you want to tell us um, about uh, your mech as well? Yeah. And we can share, we'll share bonds uh, once mm -hmm. everyone's introduced their character. Yeah. So my mech is called Calamity. Uh, it's rugged uh, and big, probably somewhere in the order of like 30 to 50 feet tall. Um, it has shields on each arm and carries a laser cannon. Uh, the hands have very powerful vice grips to grab and hold enemies uh, because she kind of acts uh, along with her co-pilot, uh, kind of like the tank in the group to be the forward force that prevents uh, the opponent vanguard from getting to us. Dope. Uh, I'm using the Ultimer playbook. Uh, this was your last run, the last time before you retired. You had it all laid out. The beach house, the fishing, the emptiness. You've seen it all. You've lost just as much as you've won. Every situation is one you know you'll handle because you've inevitably come by it before. You have no tolerance for cockiness. Those who display it don't live long. They just leave the scars on you instead. The old timer is a careful pilot who is skilled, serious, and calm. I'm playing Juniper Aurelius, um, and her stance. Kitty. Sam, I swear to Christ. <laughs> uh, Juniper's stance is we should continue to try to join a community on this ground and survive in this new home. Her call sign is Electo. Her look is worn and modified slash customized. She is a tall, slender a uh, black woman. Her hair is pretty much all grey now, even going white in places. Uh, worn sort of kept short on the sides, but with a what might have been a short like mohawk at some point is now growing out and is long. Uh, glasses, uh, dark eyes, a uh, scar on one side of her face, freckles. Uh, she does smile. I think she's one of those people that looks very serious up until the moment she smiles and sort of lights up the whole face. And she mm -hmm. does smile actually pretty easily uh, when it's not a serious situation. Like, she's not a dour person. Uh, a vice she misses is music. Something she's hiding. An injury, uh, specifically, and a reflected electrical charge has permanently messed up Juniper's heart, giving her arrhythmia and palpitations. She has oh meds, but she has meds to control it. But she's running out. Really, she needs to have corrective surgery. But she was waiting until you know, after. I feel like a doctor in the fleet was like giving her medicine on the sly to help maintain the problem and keep it manageable. Oh no! So, but none of you know about this. So, uh, and the loss I will never forget is my brother and co-pilot Drew, who died maybe closer to the beginning of the conflict. And her mech is Adi, uh, a hunter mech, 20 feet tall with five highly articulated limbs resembling a tailed primate in shape. It's designed for traversing varied environments uh, with tracking and scanning software and sharpshooting. And what that looks like rather than a cannon is something that looks like something done with light and propulsion and it looks like it forms a bow an arrow hmm. so it's not but it looks like it so 
And uh, that's that's Juniper. So I am playing uh, Bersion, Bersion Gotthilder. Um, I've played her on a live stream before. I'm playing the Captain Playbook. You are the leader in rank, if not in person. You have your stars and you have every intention of keeping them. You're not shy to pull your rank to get people in line and you'll use your authority to end an argument. You're the first to delegate in a situation. People can trust you to make a quick decision when it comes down to it, but that doesn't always make it the right one. The structure of the ranks is where you feel most secure and you don't know what that means for you now. Her stance is we should continue to try to join a community on the ground and survive in this new home. Her call sign is Mama Bear. Her look is tall, severe, and proud. Her leadership style is authoritative, but not like authoritarian. An item that I've gained since the stranding, an animal companion. Yes, good. Oh my gosh. And I'll okay, go Sam. into that a little more. Yes. Oh, okay, I was going to say, I need, to, I need to know what this is. But <laughs> if you're going to get into it in a moment, that's fine. I'll get into that in a moment. Um, I got this captaincy from a convenient death, R.I.P. Miva. Burst is a uh, OC that is deeply tied to Miva backstory. Um, they are sort of linked together in many many places they are married but here they may have been married but it doesn't really matter because miva's fucking dead um and this and miva was also her co-pilot in her mech my lure is when somebody asks for my opinion and not my decision they get a token uh i don't know if you were reading our lures but i have read mine and my mech is called orin and it is made in the form of the beasts that we're fighting damn love it and it was originally again co-piloted by miva and so it is now a useless hunk of metal how big is it? Do you think so? Um, it is smaller than the beasts that we're fighting, but it is the form of the beasts that we're fighting. So it's like it's like a smaller version of because like the beasts that we're fighting, the things that we're fighting are like fucking massive. Yes. Um, it's not that big. It's more for like flying. It, it's definitely a flying machine of some sort, but like flying in a more sort of agile way than. The things that we're fighting, which I guess I've just decided can fly. <laughs> okay, so, I've, got yeah. a pitch, I've got a pitch for you then. Yes. As Burst knows that she's not going to be able to fly this mech solo, are we like, as it's the biggest of the mechs, are we like living in it? Is that what we're Ooh. using as our shelter? I mean, like, we also do still have the ship that we crashed in. Mm, I mean. Or do we? Yeah, fuck it. Let's. I mean, I I don't know if it's quite big enough to live inside of, but I do like that as an idea. I mean, I mean, like we sleep in there. Like it's the place we can be secure at night. I I kind of dig that. You're right. That's pretty good. Yeah, I like that a lot. So I guess now I have to figure out what the beasts that we're fighting fucking look like because now I have to draw that on our map. Thanks <laughs> a lot. Look up Samael <laughs> from Hellboy. Because I'm imagining that, but bigger. Or the moon dragon from Kubo and the Two Strings. Ooh, that's fun. Oh, this is interesting looking. Yeah, I mean, like, I was imagining, like, your fucking stereotypical dragon, because that's, again, the canon that I'm pulling from my character. But I do like this sort of weird beastie thing. The use of the moon dragon from Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, that was one of the visuals that I suggested. Uh, there's one saved in the channel a little bit further up. Oh, that would be easier. 
Uh, while Sam gets that, uh, August, did you want to introduce your character? Sure. So I am playing the rookie. It was meant to be your first run on board the main ship when the order to leave came. Your whole life is still messily entwined on your home world. Dinner plans you still had, subscription deliveries you hadn't canceled, and unchanged voicemail. You know you deserve your spot in the team. You worked for it just as hard as anyone else. And maybe that makes you take risks you shouldn't. The rookie is a nervous pilot, and they are meticulous, risky, and determined. Her name is Marnie Sams. I have not played her before. She is a new kid. Um, her call sign is Sharkbait. Wow. Thank you. I'm, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's, that is fine. I'm right there with you. Um, her look is ill-fitting. Uh, she's kind of like average middling height, olive complexion. Uh, she has bright blue hair with neon green tips that are absolutely not military standard. Um, and her uniform looks like it's cut for someone about two inches broader than she is. Is she okay? <laughs> eh, she's fine. She's... I'm assuming she was just given this uniform and yeah. it's slightly too big rather than she's lost muscle yeah. mass. Oh, I, I thought maybe, I, I, I was imagining that she um, had taken the uniform from somebody else because she maybe lost her own uniform. <laughs> I mean, that does sound like something that she might do, but but no, it's just like what she was issued just doesn't fit her well. Like they were out of her size that day and mm. now there's no way to get something that fits better. Um, she has a lucky charm which is an action she performs. Uh, she actually has a very specific sequence that she has to button her uniform jacket. And uh, if she doesn't do that, she will freak out. Something that uh, she knows better than anyone is she knows how to sense when the threat is near. She signed up to be a pilot because there was a lack of alternatives. And uh, her stance is that we need to return to the fleet by any means necessary. Uh, and when someone asks you about your old life, they gain a token. Alrighty. Um, let's... I just want to quickly state that Juniper's bond... Uh, so bond. Lure uh, is when someone asks for an old story, I gain a token. Uh, Kiki's lure is when someone asks you to show them how to spar, they gain a token. That's very good and gay. <laughs> it is so good. Alrighty. Um, and now we're going to do bonds. Yeah. Uh, so if we bounce to the top, uh, yep. Danielle, what are, or who are Kiki's bonds? Uh, so my first bond is I have hidden feelings for Juniper and it is clouding my judgment. And my second bond is I can neither trust nor respect Burrs, and this will bubble to the surface. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just saw in brackets afterwards, and I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Uh, uh, Juniper's bonds. Uh, I see a lot of myself in Kiki, and Marnie can ask me anything, and I will tell her the truth. Um, my bonds are Marnie cannot be trusted to make her own decisions therefore I must mentor her and I know Juniper has better commanded this group than me and I need to prove myself Juniper does not know this but that's okay because I do <laughs> and uh, my bonds are I know I can match Kiki I just need to be given the chance 
and it's hard to put aside my admiration for Burris and fo focus on her arguments. Okay, I'm going to, before we get in, we'll see if there are any scenes that people want to do, as this is belonging outside belonging. Uh, one of the cool things that Too Many Stars has is events that can be uh, triggered. Uh, there's the option of the threat, which we can pick up if one of the pilots takes a careless action during a risky move and it gets them into trouble. There's the option of running into survivors. Um, so if one of your pilots spots something on the lookout, uh, there's one called cash, which would work quite well with some of the stuff we were discussing in world building. Uh, pick up when you're on the road for a long time and you need a bit of hope to see you through. And there is contact. Uh, pick up when technology around you comes to life unexpectedly. And there's like, like with the world building, there are moves inherent to it. Uh, there are modes or there's a question to answer about it. And uh, yeah, so that's all of the setup. You know who we are. You know sort of where we are. Let's let's get to scene in if everyone's feeling good about it. Yeah. 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 So this is the map we've got so far. I don't know how many of you guys are actually like viewing. Yeah. My I book. am, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. All of you are. Here's the map. Looking good. I've been switching between the map and a page of doodles. Mm. Yeah, it looks good. We've got some fucky something here. Maybe this gets little wings too, because mm. it flew at one point. Okay. Important question. We've established that one of the dangers is it comes at night. Have we experienced that yet? Ooh. That is a good question. Like we said, we've been here maybe four days. This could be like day five. Yeah. If we hmm. have... Well, there are two two options, I think, maybe. Mm -hmm. Either one, it's been a new moon, and so mm. the moon hasn't been out at night. And, you know, it's just going to start to wax so that things can happen. Or potentially two, because we've been inside, we haven't... Maybe we've heard some things prowling around outside, but we thought they were like, oh, that's a jaguar, mm -hmm. as opposed to a terrifying creature. Mm -hmm. I dig that. I kind of like the notion that certain phases of the moon, even though the moon is mostly gone, mm -hmm. uh, because the moon isn't actually ever gone. It's just like to do with like the shadow cast by the earth mm -hmm. on what's left. I like the notion that depending on the angle you aren't there the area you're in isn't gonna show it yeah mm -hmm. so like when it's would have been a full moon that's when the big shit comes through <laughs> because it's bigger like almost yeah. like the portal is shifting mm -hmm. so but i like the notion that maybe we've had a lucky couple of days because the moon or the rem the portal hasn't been in the right alignment or whatever Mm -hmm. so I dig it cool too many of us have chosen to play like very square jawed tall women <laughs> and now I'm trying, struggling to like diversify their character designs enough while also keeping them as square jawed strong women <laughs> if it helps uh, Marnie has a round face thank you do you have an idea of a face claim at all Yeah. Uh, I do not that's fair. I'm super bad at face claims. Face claims are hard. Yeah. I don't ever bother. I just draw a character. Um, Not all of <laughs> us have that. Well, aren't you Mr. Fancy Pants 
Mr. <laughs> Fancy Pants went to an art school. Mr. Fancy Pants with my useless degree. <laughs> hey, I got a drama degree. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, I have a I have a studio art with a focus on uh, fashion design and animation degree. That sounds dope as hell. It's really not. It be, what it means is I designed my own curriculum, and I didn't take like classes in any one particular study but the most classes that i took were fashion and animation because <laughs> i didn't really design anything i just sort of took classes i thought were interesting and then ended up with a lot of animation yeah. and fashion design stuff mm. uh what i will ask actually uh is how old give or take everyone's characters are like we know our playbooks but like that doesn't necessarily mean much in a military setting like how mm-hmm. how sort of old are you picturing your character um, I think Burst is probably, like, either, I'm trying to decide whether she's, like, late 20s, early 30s, or, like, slightly more in the mid-30s. I think, like, early 30s. I think Kiki is late 30s, early 40s. Uh, Juniper is late 40s, early 50s. <laughs> i tell you kind of how I imagine, it's not quite right, but, um, for a vibe... Uh, imagine like uh, Captain Mahoney from like the not very good Matrix sequels, <laughs> but like that kind of energy, but like a black lady. I think Marnie is probably like twenty two, twenty three, <laughs> freshly dropped out of college, kind of age. She baby. <laughs> nice. Oh, I think Marnie's gonna be like. I don't know if there's like a female equivalent of a twink, but like that. <laughs> but yes. We have all these yeah. buff women. I don't think Marnie's one of them. <laughs> oh no, she absolutely is not. So I don't know if Juniper's like necessarily like buff either, but Junie is is I'm, I'm going to keep calling her Junie cuz I suck. And <laughs> she hates it. When I think about her build, I think of sort of more like a runner's build, like Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a gymnast sort of like muscular mm-hmm. but on the sort of more slender Wiry. side of things yeah why are you good yeah 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 so we've just got two tall buff square-jawed women and we got a <laughs> tall skinny lady and then marnie is here who is and short and cute is here. Marnie is our, <laughs> she's not is so she's short. not short she's I, just, I'm, she's well, tall soft. and soft yeah, she's like five seven ish. Like she's she's not short. She's average height. I'm trying not to play another short character. <laughs> short king. Alrighty. Yeah, Junie's just like just over six to- six foot tall, but has that mm. because of the wiry look. The hair definitely adds some height as well. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I think I might have a scene idea. Hell yeah! Oh yeah us up so i think it's night and we mostly are turning in for the night maybe are doing kind of final preparations for bed and getting getting a snug in burr's mech her name is aureen aureen the mech the, mech, the mech's yeah. name is aureen aureen <laughs> Getting ready to to sleep in Aureen. Um, and something about the particular dynamic that's happening tonight, I think, has made Kiki uncomfortable. 
So her bond with Burr's is that she neither trusts nor respects her. And I think that that's because of grief. Um, I think that she had a really strong relationship with Miva and can't deal with Burr's kind of taking Miva's place, even though, like, Burr's also had a really good relationship with Miva, or at least a really close relationship. But she can't, on this particular night, you know, she's having a hard time, and I think she leaves the mech to go get water or something. But she's giving an excuse in order to get away and have some space for a second or two. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, but I think that the sun has gone down, and it's very quickly getting dark, because once the sun gets lower than the trees, um, we're in this jungly area, like... There's there's nothing else to provide light really besides the mechs. And I think Orin's headlights are on. Mm. See, so by Is headlights I mean the eyes. Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say the eyes are just like lit up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beautiful. So there's like this bubble of light beyond which we can't see, and I think it's getting dark. And this is the first night that the creatures are coming out. Okay, let me just scroll down to the threat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're here. A trudging of robotic legs, a thunder of horses, skittering drones, a creeping plague. You've been running away from it this whole time, and now you're cornered. Oh, this doesn't sound quite right. This sounds more like it. this is a big thing. Mm. So let me quickly look and see what else there is. Okay, I don't think it's quite that, because, yeah, I think this threat is like the big threat. Yeah. Looking at the stuff that's in there. So... I don't know. What do people think? Hmm. Um, This is page 23 in the PDF. I forgot that belonging outside belonging games also have moves for the environment. (laughs) Um, I think this is the version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Don't be afraid to think laterally and to interpret these moves as strictly or as loosely as your threat allows. Maybe it's not a capital T threat at all. Alrighty. So we need to choose two out. I suppose we can pick it as they go along, uh, but there's a whole list of outcomes that there's yeah. the option. They're really good. I really like that addition. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think Martine definitely pings onto it first. Like maybe she's unbuttoning her jacket in her specific way. And then like her head snaps up and she's just like, we need to batten down the hatches now. Is this the first time Marnie's done this with this group? I suppose not, because you co-pilot with Kiki, so... Yeah, I think Kiki knows that Marnie has, like, the sense of when the threat's going to do something, Mm -hmm. because, like, you know, they've they've been in the same mech before. Mm -hmm. Um, So Kiki knows, but this isn't something that's necessarily had to come up. With everybody else. All right. Uh, I mean, because Marnie, you know, is under my command, would I know that you have a sense that of when the when the bad boys are are on their way? Um, is this something that you report to me like frequently, or? No, I think it's I think it's just something that Marnie noticed while she was like assigned to Kiki. And it's something that they've just been using 
to maybe get out of scrapes that they shouldn't have been able to get out of, that kind of thing. Like, it's not necessarily that she's been keeping it a secret. It's just like, eh, it's a thing. You know, it's like, it's a fact of herself, like, oh, I have green eyes, but you don't go around telling everybody, like, you have green eyes. That's fair. Um, But yeah, you, you go, we need to batten down the hatches, and I just sort of look at you. Like, did you, did you hear something? It's... Listen, I I can't explain. I just we we need to make sure to close up shop because we're going to have some trouble here soon. And I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I want to go punching anything right now. I'm just going to sort of raise my eyebrow at you cuz like like I trust you kind of. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I can't trust. I don't trust you to make your own decisions. But you know, I'm just sort of giving you a, so you, so you just know. I mean, can, can you give me something a little bit more? Sorry, I'm still sort of settling into this accent too. So like, it'll, it'll change a lot over the course of this uh, episode, I'm sure. Marnie just, just kind of shrugs a little and she's like, I mean, I think they're coming from that away. And she points generally like toward let's say the west she points generally toward the west and it's just like i mean it's it's just a thing i i just it's it's like my feet tingling hey danielle which direction did kiki walk walk off in oh the west (laughs) (laughs) downstream which happens to be west yeah sure yeah sort of a southwesterly downstream this is like Mm -hmm. a weird sort of like isometric but not really view because i don't i don't i'm not good at drawing maps um can you can you stick like a little w in the what we've just now decided is west like just like an arrow put thank you so much you're welcome um so yeah poor spatial awareness (laughs) no worries so kiki's gone this way sort of downstream uh so yeah burst is just gonna look at at marnie and say i sorry i suppose there's nothing to lose but from listening and uh she nods and then she starts she starts yelling orders like all right fuck uh you know you know uh get everybody inside all this you know i I just didn't even try to do my accent there Uh, (laughs) maybe read the call signs and see if like shape them out because if she's switching into like commanding mode mode, yeah yeah exactly the call signs rather than the names Mm mm-hmm so, Electo, uh, ma- make sure everybody gets inside. That just fucked up into the whatever accent that the was. The Scottish is strong. <laughs> the Scottish accent, because it's the only accent I'm, like, really, like, strong on. Um, but, like, not even that. Uh, get everybody inside. There we go. Uh, Sharpie. Again, with the fucking Scottish. And <laughs> Sharpie, where is Mumba? Where has she gone? Again with the Scottish. I mean, and at our next break, I'm gonna fucking like watch some more accent coaching bullshit because I just my <laughs> brain just fucking shut down. Um, but yeah, it's like where like where's Mamba? I'm gonna just drop the accent for right now and I'll come back to it later. I'm paraphrasing. This isn't what she's actually saying. 
you know, she just starts like command yelling. And this is when we notice that, of course, Kiki is not here. Yeah. And uh, I've got a question. Like, do we have like sidearms? Yes. Okay. This is probably irrelevant, but like, are they projectile sidearms or are they like beam weapons? Hmm. What do we like more? We know the Calamity is armed with a laser cannon mm-hmm. and like Juniper's weapon on her mech fires sort of more like energy. I haven't quite decided what it is yet. Ooh. How about they are projectile weapons? Because mm-hmm. that means ammo is extremely limited. Mm-hmm. Yes, good. Love that. Yeah. Uh, I do have another question. Mm-hmm. Are we the only people here? Do we? Did any of the rest of the ship crew? Were we? Were we it? We're it. I think is that. I mean, we're the ones that we know about. Maybe other people made it out of the fracas and elsewhere. But in this location of the fleet, I think it's just us. Yeah. Cool. So Marnie definitely, like, pulls out her sidearm, like, checks the clip, checks the safety, and is just like, I I gotta go out there. I I don't know where she went, but I gotta go out there. (sighs) Versus just, like, rubbing her forehead, like... We do not want to lose anybody else. If she is gone, then she's gone. And we don't we don't have the, the the manpower to send more out there. If she comes back, she comes back. But there are four of us, Captain. We go down. And one there will and... be and there will be two of us if we send somebody else out there and they die. Are you willing to take that risk? Because I am not willing to take that risk. We have lost too many people already. I think... How tall is um, Burn? I assume tall, but... Burst is, like, Burst is, like, tall. Uh, I think... I mean, like, in her original canon, she's, like, eight or nine feet tall. But, like, in... Like, <laughs> now she's a human. Now she's a human. So she's probably, like, six foot five or six foot six. Okay. So Juniper sort of looks up at her. Yeah. <laughs> And just sort of like eyebrow, the pierced eyebrow is uh, raised. Just like you're trying to tell me about loss. Okay, sure, buddy. We've all lost people. Shut up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but also, that that like, wasn't in character, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just gonna give you a look. Like, yeah, what of it? How many people did we lose just when we were crashed? Like, like just as in the crash. In the battle, get it like, fucking what of it? I'm well aware. Maybe we could make flash the lights on Aureen. I'm sure Kiki isn't far away. I think she was just clearing her head. I mean, we can only hope. <sighs> All right. I I sort of look down at my watch and go. Mm-hmm. I point at I point at Marnie. You have you have. Five minutes. I'm gonna, um, while that's going on, I'm gonna go into Adi, who I think is sort of like curled up mostly around the base of tree, which is quite impressive. This is a tall tree considering this is like a 20 foot mech. 
um, but it's sort of like stretched up around it, partially around it with the long limbs and like gets in and just like starts booting up the scanners. Like I imagine like looking at uh, on at that the, this is like very close to the uh to Aurene and like yeah. our little our little site. So but it's still within sight, but you see sort of like the pod, the like the command pod, uh yeah. light up uh as like Junie boots up systems like she's left like the hatch open so you can see her and see what she's doing but she did not ask permission to do that she has literally just gone and started doing it yep burst is just gonna sort of go like roll her eyes and just move on also i wasn't sure if we had other people with us like npcs or whatever like in our crash like if, if we had like a larger ship that we only we survived or we had a larger ship and like there were a couple of people around us but this is this is good. I like what we've established here. It's like we are Important the only question. people here in the middle. Uh-huh. Do you have your animal companion yet? No. Okay. I eagerly await this scene. <laughs> I have not yet I have not yet made friends with my animal companion. Duly noted. There are a lot of goofy names that I could probably pull from at this point because I have a lot of goofy names for various ranger pets. <laughs> but I think I know, I think I know which one I'm going with. Alright, so Marnie gives kind of like a sloppy salute and heads out into the night to find Kiki. It's August, and I just wanted to thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed us, please consider leaving a rating on your podcast platform of choice, telling your friends about us, or tweeting about us using the FTLcast hashtag. We are also part of a nonprofit podcasting guild called Standing Stones Productions. We do a variety of shows, including The Room Where It Happened and Dumb Kids Playing Hero, two actual play shows, and a Steven Universe discussion podcast called Gay Space Rocks. We also do live streams at twitch.tv slash standingstonesprod. You can keep up with everything that we do on Twitter at stones underscore standing. Unfortunately, Standing Stones was already taken. Your support means a lot. Thanks again!